Welcome to Trucky Podcast. My name is Sebastian. This podcast is all about trucking. We love diesel engines, semi trucks, being on the road, and freedom. So let's go. Welcome to Trucky Podcast. My name is Sebastian. Today, my special guest is Michael Melwix. What's Thanks. up, Mike? Oh, not much. Just came to Chicago to visit my good buddy Sebastian. I know. I was gonna. That was my first question. You just blew it. I know you came to see me. <laughs> but what are you doing in Chicago? Uh, well, you know, we've never been here. Uh, it's one of the prime freight locations. We actually thought we may open an office here, and we're looking around a little bit and kind of ex- dipping our toes in the water uh, from a Chicago perspective. So we decided to take the family, come here and check things out, and of course, call you. And feel it, feel it out, see if you can actually do something here. Exactly. Yeah, okay. see it, check it out. So let's take it step by step. So let's first, can you uh, introduce yourself and tell me, tell us what you do and what your, what's your company, company name, what do you guys do? Sure. Uh, Michael Melwix and my company is Moto Transportation. We're a uh, less than truckload cross-border specialist, consolidator, freight forwarder, trucking company, and customs broker. And uh, what we do is we primarily consolidate freight in uh, the U.S. and Canada, Western U.S. And, and Western Canada, as well as Ontario. And we consolidate freight, move that cross-border, uh, handle the transportation um, with the customs included. And we don't do the brokerage for everything, but we do handle the process. So we consolidate trailers um, and then deconsolidate them, and distribute and pick up and do it in reverse. So okay. does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. Tell me... What year you started the company? Started in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been in business for about 10 years. And, uh, you know, we started, you know, in my house, in my basement. And Why? Why would you Why would you start a company like that? Tell me well, more about... Just to be a basement dweller. You know, like, <laughs> when we started the company was, you know, I, I saw a big need for, you know, in 2012, uh, technology was really starting to, you know, cloud-based technology to be mm-hmm. more specific was really uh, available and not being super utilized by transport companies. So, you know, it was simple as Outlook, for example, yeah. you know, just, you know, it's computer-based and you got, you've got a, you know, a system like Gmail that comes along for a workplace and uh, just simple things like that, being able to be, um, you know, virtual spread out without having servers on premise was like the key for me. I just didn't want to spend that money on servers anymore. Yeah. So I went to a, a SaaS based platform, totally virtual, and that's what we did. But tell me a little bit more about your background. How did you end up starting the company? So tell me briefly about what happened before you were like, yeah, I'm pulling a trigger on starting my company. Uh, multiple things is I was, I started in like a, a family business trucking company, um, at a university and gave me some great knowledge and worked for them for like probably 12 years, did everything, uh, you name it, they did it in trucking, transportation, uh, warehousing, railroad, all sorts of things and left there to go to a, um, similar business to what I'm operating right now and worked for them for 10 years and, and built a substantial part of that business out. And, and I got to the point where I said to myself, it's like, listen, what am I doing here? Like I'm building this business and I don't think it's building in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's what they, this person wants to do, the owner of the company. And I decided to do my own thing. And it was heavily based on technology, um, trying to do more with less. 
and that's where I kind of branched out on my own and decided to to uh, try my hand as an owner instead of an operator. Nice. Yeah. And tell me a little bit so we get a better picture of are you asset based are you what what's your model what's your business model yeah we, it's a great question uh in the, in the transport world uh, it can be anything and everything but we we kind of do a little bit of everything so our model is we do have assets and mm-hmm. uh, we do uh fuel trucks and we uh we are freight broker freight forwarder trucking company consolidator customs broker that kind of operates in in harmony if you will so uh we keep our trucks you know kind of busy on our own lanes and with our specific lanes we run a ton of like california and texas uh to canada Mm -hmm. so our trucks run the schedules and then we will go outside to partner carriers that we work with on a regular basis we may have an agreement with them maybe not and to fill where our trucks aren't so we'll do that. And then we have a full-on brokerage company that if we can't handle something from our lanes and a customer wants to deal with us, we'll do that for them. Mm-hmm. And that's flatbed, dry van, anywhere in North America. We don't do a hell of a lot in New Mexico, but uh, we do service a lot of freight coming from Mexico. And then um, the consolidation aspect is we've, we're like a, almost called like a freight forwarder because we handle the freight and may or may not go in our trucks. But we consolidate our terminals in, in the U.S., and we consolidate, pack those trailers and send it to the next terminal. So that's a consolidation point. And then we will clear um, the shipments for customers if required. Okay. So tell me how big is the company? How many employees do you have right now? We have about 45 employees. 45. Okay. Yep. That's, a, that's a decent size. That's, 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 what, what, what would be, what's the 45? Tell me some of the major operation divisions you have uh departments yeah for sure the well of course we have drivers mm-hmm. uh we have support staff we have a customer service department we have a sales department we have an operations department we have an accounting department and we have a management team so i would like to see us a bit smaller to be honest with you you know yeah. i think we're a bit bloated at times but we went through um a bit of a an uptick this year probably one of our better years uh, early in the year, just do some restrictions and whatnot. So 45, those people are, are doing everything from a you know, day-to-day perspective that goes on a transport company. It has lots of moving pieces and, and lots of things going on at all times, as you well know. Oh, yeah. Tell me, what is starting off, you said 2012. Yeah. What is the first year like? First year was, it was actually surprisingly good for us we you know we had a lot of people aligned with the company and we started off at a couple partners at the time and we all knew the business and it was easy for us to move freight and we were a full broker at that point mm-hmm. and uh we actually had a pretty you know i didn't you know i didn't take salary of course you know it's grinding it out and we were working and we're building a business and we did a lot of great things early on in uh in our in our operation and we got to the point, maybe a bit slightly arrogant, we started buying trucks mm-hmm. and flatbeds, and we got heavily into the recycling business. And that in 2015, is, I'm going maybe a bit fast, but 2012 to 2015 was very, like, we scaled, like, we grew heavily in those first three years to the point, like, we're growing, you know, 50% a year because we're small. Yeah. You know, you can do that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But we started buying these trucks, and we started getting busy in, in you know, having drivers and, you know, starting buying trailers and trucks and moving freight. And uh, 
you know, I don't think our customer base is quite there. And uh, it was a great time. And then we had 2015 and we kind of, the bottom dropped out of the market for us with what we were hauling. We were hauling pipe from overseas into our oil field. Okay. Oil and gas. And it kind of dropped out from us. And then we had to just like pivot. And what, what year was that? 2015. 15. So, so you would, you, you had smooth sailing for three years? Yeah. Three, three years of pretty smooth sailing. Uh, things were rolling along for us. We had everything kind of dialed and, you know, it was a, it was a really good business. We had really good success in the first three years. And then it kind of went to kind of got to a point in the business where we had to really focus on where we were headed and what we're doing in terms of main revenue drivers. So how did you pivot? What happened there? <clears throat> so we, so we sold, uh, so 2015 we were hauling pipe into Alberta quite a bit and a lot of flatbeds and we're doing recycling of steel. And that just kind of dried up, you know, China's demand was not there. Canada's demand wasn't there. And we just had to, we had to, we were also doing less than truckload freight at the time. Mm-hmm. We kind of just started, you know, winding one down and winding another one up. If, if that makes sense. So yeah. the, we just, we saw the writing on the wall, stock prices were dropping in steel and, and uh, commodities was, was the price was under pressure. And we decided just to go a different direction. We didn't, you know, we had one major customer that was probably responsible for 30, 34% of our business. And, yeah. You know, you can't sleep at night sometimes. I know. <laughs> you know Ask me how I know. <laughs> exactly. How do you know? Yeah. It's not about me. It's about okay. you. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. So continue. So, so you, you pivoted. So, so tell me about 2015, 16. R- yeah. Rough year for us. We pivoted. We kept some trucks to, to we went to dry van from flatbed. So mm-hmm. completely shifted gears. We knew the dry van business. We knew it was there. And, and quite honestly, it's a, it's a, a sales play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we had to start doing business. We start, you know, had to prove ourselves in the industry, gain market share, and uh, deliver on what we said we we're going to do. So that just takes time. You know, you just can't do it overnight. So we're 2015-16. We're yep. right now in... 2020 to give me the the next four or five years of what your company went through and to where you're at right now and kind of share with me some of the oh shit moments and some of the things that you've learned to actually looking back and say hey those were epiphanies or big lessons for me that I took away from yeah. building the company. Yeah. So first off, you know, having uh, a huge customer base is, is my dream just to have, you know, being able to have orders to pick from more or less. Mm-hmm. So having that one customer that was 34% of our business was not really a good thing for us to do at the time. And so we started like diversifying. That was, that was a major learning lesson for us. It's great revenue. You know, we're doing tons of revenue and it's just like awesome. You can't go wrong. We're making tons of cash. Everything's great, but at the end of the day, that, that dries up and you have to make some hard decisions. So that's lesson one, diversify our customer base. We did that. And then we, you know, to do that, we had to add sales to it. So we were dry at times. And when things go south, we had nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, where do you find business? Yeah. You know, this isn't, you know, it doesn't come to you. We've got, you know, we've got, um, you know, online marketing and we've got a website and we've got all these things. We really had to go heavily into rep-driven business. And uh, we went heavy into that, and at sometimes, and if you, you you're not going to be able to afford these people, and they either got a producer, you've got yeah. to to move on. So we had some we had some hard times um, keeping reps engaged with a smaller business at that time, trying to grow very niche market. And 
you know, I guess most recently, one of the tough times was we had a, we had a, uh, you know, pandemic type situation happen at our border. I'm not sure if you know or not, but oh yeah. The, so what happened is a lot of carriers, U S carriers were running Canada. And when the government put in place that you had to be vaccinated, you couldn't enter American carriers don't like it, you know, coming to Canada at the best of times, mm-hmm. you know, we've got lots of, you know, maybe sketchy roads, <laughs> yeah. we got some winter things going on, yeah. some mountain passes. And <clears throat> I just don't think that they really cared to come up there that much when this was all happening. And what happened to put the pressure on us, on Canadian truckers to really service what was going on. And we didn't have enough equipment to service our own uh, freight volumes. And we got caught probably with our pants down, um, having to, uh, you know, obey uh, absurd pricing from the industry. Mm-hmm. And that's something we just learned. Like we're putting more trucks on right now. That's what we're doing is we're, we're getting asset heavy again, instead of asset light and uh, controlling our own destiny, controlling our own pricing. Uh, of course, with fuel being the fuel it's and maybe driver pay being the, you know, variables there, but we really got caught with our pants down there. Tell me what the difference between Canadian market and U.S. market from your experience <clears throat> in trucking. And what, I, what I'm looking for is what's, what are some of the things that stand out for you that, that us, me, not knowing Canadian market, like what, do you, what are the differences between trucking there and here? Yeah, there's there's big differences. The well, there's a difference in hours of regulation. You can run a bit longer in Canada, just on a regulatory basis. But uh, most, How long? Of the, uh, I think it's like 13 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that, but it's much more than you know okay. the 10 or 11 we're down here, right? Yeah, it's 11 here. Yeah. yeah. So the situation is we got a few more hours to run, um, but demographically speaking, in the freight world, 90% of the freight moves by rail. Um, east west mm-hmm. Canada is you know I can't remember the exact number but most of the population lives within 100 miles of the US border yeah you know and so all that freight moves along flat lines do you think it's because they want to come to the US <laughs> I know well that's you know also well, just just to throw it even farther out there there's more people in the state of California than all of Canada yeah so and we've got the second largest country landmass wise in the world yeah. And we're all stuck along the border. So a lot of square footage of land per yeah. citizen, right? Yeah. So think about that. And then in the U.S., from my perspective, is that you can run, you know, anywhere you want to in the U.S. There are so many major markets that you can run to. It's it's absolutely phenomenal. Like, you, I can't even, there's so many combinations. We just talked about earlier today about Chicago to, mm-hmm. you know, 300-mile radius. It's like yeah. you're hitting, like, Probably ten major points, major freight centers, and in Canada they're probably seven hundred miles apart, you know, if not more. So you know we've only got a select few to run against, and you've got this border involved and uh, a heavy intermodal presence in Canada. So Mm -hmm. like I said, rail, lots in the U.S. as well, but just a bigger market down in the U.S. Like there is more people, more freight. You know, I'm currently got my eye on the Dallas market right now. It just blows my mind how many warehouses there are that are over a million yeah. square feet there. Because you just tell me, let's dig in a little bit more. You just relocated to Dallas, didn't you? Yeah, yeah re- re- relocated to Dallas, and um, oh, we thoroughly enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but being Canadian um, in in the U.S. market, I look at the, the U.S. market, and it's just mind-boggling Yeah, how much freight there is. Moving. Opportunities. Oh, opportunities yeah. and freight and... 
you know, it may not be all great opportunities, but there's opportunity for sure. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to try and take my piece of it. <laughs> Your Canadian bite. Yeah, I take my Canadian American bite of it. And, and that's for me, it's back to, you know, having, we have a really good terminal in Dallas. Um, and there's, it's high functioning. Uh, we're running some intra-U.S. Um, points. Now we're connecting our U.S. terminals. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've also got um, a big sales push going on in the U.S. right now. So that's what we're trying to do is, some, well, I'm down here. I'm trying to make the most of it. Okay. So the next, uh, I don't know if I exhausted the the background and the history of you building your company because <clears throat> I would like to, I would like you to at least give me a little bit of more of like, oh shit moments. I'm going through one right now. You know that. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in um, EO Logistics Forum, Entrepreneurs Organization, and you know... Um, we know about our businesses or, or we know of what I would like to ex- maybe bring out to light is what was some of the, and I, and I don't know if there are, I mean, I don't, you tell me no, if there's something that, you know, it's, it's the hemorrhaging cash moments, you know, that's yeah. the old shit. You look at your books and you're like, wow, like we're losing, like we're geared for this level of business, but we're not getting, you know, yeah. we're not getting there. Yeah. And we're running at a deficit here and, you know, the cutting quickly and cutting deeply thing, those, those very hard things that you need to do that are very tough to do because you've got friends in the business or mm-hmm. you've got longtime employees or you think you've got this narrative in your head. These are the toughest things you go through in business, the ups and downs. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, just allude to this again is that, you know, you've got to make sure the business is healthy at all times so that you can support these people in the future or support the people that are staying, staying with you. So we went through a couple of things, um, you know, just, you know, in 2018, you know, um, there's some things that pressures got put on the free trade agreement, which we're heavily involved in the cross border mm-hmm. sacks, our business or things really soften out and we have to make these decisions. So, um, you know, startup wise, and, you know, looking for something that really is like, oh, shit. And that's the biggest one for me is like just having, uh, and I know you feel my pain, like we have equipment that we just don't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. I've got drivers. I've got people. I've got, you know, I've got families uh, counting on the business. We can't keep busy. And it's just, oh, shit. What yeah. do you do, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's the toughest thing is you're not being prepared for that. So we just might have made a, made a pact to ourselves just to be diverse We've got like, like, that's why we, when I mention off what we did as a company, it's, we do a bunch of things and it's diversity for us, right? Like, mm-hmm. but it's, that's what we're trying to mitigate our you know, risk. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we've, we've gone through many, many times. It's like, like we make money, we lose money. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's just not like, yeah. it's just like we're, Cyclical, making, we're, yeah. we're, we're yeah. cranking all the time. Yeah. It's not like that. Yeah. We've got to, you got to have cash in the bank for those, for those lean times. And it happens more often than not, depending on what, who gets involved or what the market is or who screws with NAFTA or who shuts the border down. You just don't know. Right. So yeah. it's just like, you know, I'm kind of done with it to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a bit, it's a bit cyclical and, and taxing. It is. And, and you never know at, at, at what point, what, what, what type of next COVID like environment we're going to be in. Right. Like now you get, you have the war on top of everything and <clears throat> it's affecting a lot, even though it, it's indirect, but it's affecting a lot. Yeah. And especially for a small business owner, you're like, well, what's the next event that's going to... Hurricanes. 
Hurricanes is one. Wars, yeah. tariffs, um, yeah. rail strikes. You know, oh, yeah. all these things. <laughs> it's like, you know, one of the best exercises I've ever done through EO is, it's called the headline exercise. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Tell me more. And it's like, it's an it's exercise you do that is basically write a bunch of headlines that would absolutely ruin your business. Oh, okay. Right? Write these out yeah. and then prepare for them. It's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to avert these things? And some of the things for me that's come up, you know, is border closures, which have happened for us. We had some strikes in Canada that closed our borders. Yeah. And what do you do, right? Like, what do you do? Or fuel being, you know, stop selling diesel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or diesel runs out or something like that. Yeah, you then know you I mean? just stop. You With just a border stop. closure, you could just go north, right? You could, but then... <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. What do you do though? Like, it's starting. Like, we're not geared up for that, right? So, it's uh, it's one of those things. It's what, an interesting what, exercise. What do you if you go north from me? What do you hit? Russia? <laughs> yeah. Sooner or later, we get to the Bering Strait, yeah, and then right. we had to take a boat uh, ninety miles across to Russia. Yeah. Um, no, but you're right. It's 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 something that you know the vision. What I like. What you just said is. You know, you you build out the vision that you have for the company, and you're so into it. Which it, I'm speaking from experience, being very into executing on the mission and the vision. And yep. when any any type of uh, correction or um, change of environment happens, you get a slap on your face, like, "Hey, you got to calm down and, yep. and face the reality." And this is no longer what you thought it was, right? And and so tell me about your vision more because you, I would like to know your vision for, okay, you're now in Dallas. What's what's the near future? What's the future uh, for you? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're trying to add, like, we've got a major vision. I don't want to let you know all of my secrets, but, no, no. Um, but I'm going to give you some of them. There's nobody listening. So yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so we've got a, we've got a big um, goal in terms of the, the amount of daily shipments you want to handle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got that in place. We've got amount of trucks we want to grow by. Mm-hmm. We want to, you know, we've got a dozen trucks right now. We want to be at fifty in the next three years. Mm-hmm. So we've got some things going around that. And then we've got, um, you know, we've got what happens with our vision. I'm very proud of our vision. It takes a lot of time for us to develop it. Or we've got a great management team that has a lot of input in this thing. But what happens with me is I go and I find these things and I throw them on top of the vision. So we've got a plan if this makes sense. But yeah. like I see these things like as a visionary for the business, I've got a big service initiative going on right now. Mm-hmm. And I may have talked to you about this before, but like I'm all about service. Like I want to out service everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, that wasn't part of our plan. And now it's on, like I've laid this on top of whatever we're doing right now. So on top of trying to get our shipment goal, on top of trying to get to this many trucks, on top of all of this stuff, I've mm-hmm. laid this on. So the vision, I don't know if I answered your question or not, but the vision for me is just what we need to do to be a business. And then what comes along, when you start getting through this vision, certain things rear their ugly head. Like, you know, mm-hmm. we've got a service issue. We've got too much staff in this area, or we don't have enough staff in this area. And these certain things, as you move, you can't possibly, you know, account for all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, we have a strong vision. We have strong core values. And, um, which is no bullshit, stupid, smart and get her done. That's our three. I like it. Yeah. Very simple. Very simple. Three of them. And, and we live by them. We, you know, we hire by them, we fire by them. And 
You know, if it creates some things we, we on our vision works for us and some things we just creates a bunch of bullshit and we get rid of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that answers your question vision wise, but it's it it's a very, very big question. Mm, it is, yeah. Um, but you know, it's all about reverse engineering what we want to get to and, and crushing goals every quarter. Yeah. Good. That answers the questions the question about the vision hundred percent. What I what I would like for you to tell me is what could you what would you want to see in the industry um, to be fixed? What do you hmm. think that's been something that you think could be fixed in the industry to make it a better place for truckers and for small trucking companies? Hmm. I think uh, is there anything at all? Yeah, oh yeah, there is. There's tons of. Let me just my top one. I, I talked to a buddy about this other day. It's about regulations. <laughs> regulations. You know, there's there is. Like, I love safety. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you know, the stupid regulations we have from a long haul perspective. Um, that's one thing. Like that needs to be fixed. This is, that's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's just a prime example of government getting involved in something they shouldn't. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they've got to set regulations, I get it, but, like, not being realistic about what's going on. So, hours of service, that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. Um, but load boards. Okay, tell me more. Okay, so load boards, there's a ton of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody kind of has one of the big carriers have them, and they give freight out and things like that, but there's, they're missing quite a few things in terms of the latest and greatest technology. And <clears throat> very simply... I think it needs to be more like a, not an, uh, more of like a review based system mm-hmm. where, you know, the loads, there's a lot of people just fishing on there. You know what I mean, there's a lot of people just, you know, they're not, the rate structure is wrong. There's no bidding process. There's no review process of how good these shippers are or these, these freight brokers, how good the carrier is, how many times they've dropped the ball. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not very, and it's not streamlined. There's so many boards out there. I think that they could do a better job of, you know, getting on the same page. Do you think it's it's, it's a regulation s, or is it maybe Googleization where you you're you have a little bit more access and maybe reviews of both sides or the Amazon type where you have a rating, star yeah. rating, seller rating, whatever yeah. the situation be. I think it it, it should be. Brought it a bit more modern. These are just systems that have been updated around. Platforms, yeah. yeah, like they've yeah. they've updated. So, for example, in Canada, in the U.S., you know, I've heard of DAT, right? Mm-hmm. The Canadian version is called Link, yeah. and Link runs totally separate from DAT, but it's the same data. You know, yeah. uh, DAT has a review system. Link doesn't. You know, um, DAT has what the loads are paying. Link doesn't. Mm. You know what I mean? Like getting these people on the same page and just creating the best of both worlds. Uh, it's prime for the taking. Like, I don't know why someone hasn't done it yet or why these companies that are charging, there's a big dollars being charged. I think we pay yeah. like, you know, we have five or six users on the load boards and we pay probably close to a thousand dollars a month for it. Yeah. Like that's that from crazy? a SaaS perspective. That's, a lot? Yeah. that's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. It does make a lot of money, but sorry. Yeah. No, that's no. a lot of cash. Yeah. You're right. No, hundred percent. I would say, I agree with everything you're saying. And I would say, I'm almost excited to see the new version of maybe the web 2.0 of how that's going to change. And I don't want to get into that right now. I think it's a different podcast, but how, how we, how that's going to change the freight market and the logistics and the load boards, because there is a lot of that nonstop pulling back and forth between carriers and 
and shippers and and brokers that and and I think there's you know as any uh, div, I would say industry has people that just do wrong. Yeah, we have that a lot. We have that in our industry a lot, and it's not because of trucking; it's because it's everywhere. It's not only here, but maybe trying to weed that out a little better, right? Get those guys that really just are there to take advantage of the of the system, of the of the, in, of the imperfections of the system that uh, that I've seen. How there's, do you there's no honor among thieves. Yeah, right. But but maybe the system can. Like, think about eBay versus Amazon, right? Yeah. Like, how eBay, you could still be scammy and sell shit, and then all yeah. of a sudden you get stuff, and like, what is this? I didn't order this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, on Amazon, it was completely, I mean, it, to my knowledge, and I might be wrong, but it was, I think it was a lot harder to do with the verification steps, process, and, and, and being present on Amazon and gaining totally. some kind of, right? So I believe in that aspect of technology, hope, hoping to see that in uh, in the next version of of logistics like hey like just get rid of those brokers that just are 100 percent just taking advantage of of everything right yeah and it's the same hand get rid of those carriers too yeah uh, you yeah, know yeah. like yes these guys like i can't tell you how much are you know during the spring of this year how many times our brokerage department told me that someone had booked a load mm-hmm. and uh dropped it on them yeah like that used before that happened to us like very few and far between like we're not a perfect yeah. seller either but like these guys were like it was happening every day, yeah, because of the market and you know that 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 how can you build a business, right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, look, I enjoy this. Uh, I hope we're gonna do it more. Yeah, for um, sure. I I want to wrap this up and so next uh, next time we're gonna talk about uh, what you know what I would say. I mean, there's a lot of topics. I would I oh, just man, there's a ton of stuff. I like to talk about uh, TMSs. I'm super know, right? passionate about that. Sales, all sorts of things I got for you. I think sales uh, is our next topic um, for sure. And I appreciate you coming, man. I appreciate yeah. you Thanks for having uh, me. showing up. It was a great evening. Uh, and we're going to continue tomorrow. But today, we're uh, that's, that's a wrap. I would say subscribe, share. Is there, oh, tell me, Mike, what are uh, some of your platform, uh, where are you at, website, all the good stuff? Yeah, we're at uh, www.shipmoto.com. You can find us there, and uh, all the information is online, and get all of us there if you're interested in shipping cross-border. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you Thank very much. You.